my manager said that my teammates thought I was unfriendly and unapproachable because I didn't work on my desk. And that was one of those early signs for me when I started working there of like, even though I'm doing my work, it's not enough to just do your work. Like there's this extra layer of making people feel comfortable that we feel the need to do and try to make people feel comfortable for a long time until I had a mental health breakdown. And I was just like, I'm tired of this. Welcome to Latinx in Power, a podcast hosted by Thaisa Fernandes. When it comes to running a thriving business, there's nothing more crucial than boosting your revenue. Sales professionals do more than just seal the deal. They hunt down leads, predict growth, generate reports, handle contacts, craft content, and crush numbers. The list seems endless. As we approach Q4, it's time to discover a better way to succeed. And it all begins with the brand new HubSpot Sales Hub. With HubSpot Sales Hub, you find a seamless connected platform where your data, tools, and teams come together, creating a smart and highly customizable workspace that is a pleasure to use. Transform potential leads into active pipelines and seal the deal, all from a single location. Speaking as a former designer, I can help but appreciate how user-friendly and visually appealing HubSpot is. It is both functional and aesthetically pleasing, which is the perfect combination in my opinion. Moreover, the inclusion of sequences and streamlined workflows empower your sales team to simplify tasks and dedicate more time to what they excel at. Building meaningful connections with customers. With Sales Hub, closing deals become a breeze. Why not experience it for yourself? Visit hubspot.com slash sales to give it a try. Welcome to Latin Acting Power. Today we are talking with Pavel Martinez. Pavel is a former global account director at TikTok and client solutions manager at Meta, among others. Pavel is praised for his tenacious problem solving and ability to deliver data-driven solutions. His passion lies in uncovering the story behind data. He's currently redefining professionalism at Plural. Welcome, Pavel. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk. Me too. I'm so excited. It's been a while. I'm following you and listening to your podcast. And I just like seeing you all in my LinkedIn. I was like, I want to talk with him. So it's happening today. I'm very excited. And in this episode, Pavel will discuss his background and journey leading to Plural founding. His definition of uncovering professionalism. I'm personally very excited about this conversation. Something very, very interesting. I love when you talk about that. So that would be incredible. And also balancing data analysis with creativity. Really, really good topics. And usually the first question that I ask people and one of my favorite questions. So I wanted to ask you, what does it mean to be a Latino for you? When I think of being Latino, I think about the music and the food. Like those are the first two things. Like I can't even go out these days if I don't hear music in Spanish. And don't get me wrong, I hear music in, in Portuguese as well, a little real funky. I love, play me a little Kevin O'Chris anytime. But no, yeah, I mean, I, there's just like a, a passion and it really, my mind instantly goes to like the food and the music. 
Incredible. I love that. Incredible, right? I feel like now we are listening to music in Spanish like all the time. We are all over and I love that. And I don't know, I think it's instantly, it makes me happy. Like it makes me so happy. <laughs> Yo, it's crazy because growing up when I used to go out, there used to be like certain places in New York that would play Spanish music or like certain places in New York that would have a Latino night. Now, every night is Latino night. It is crazy. It is so weird, but I'm so happy about it. Yeah, that's incredible. I remember when I moved to the US almost 10 years ago, I was always looking for places with like Latino night. And I quite didn't like that much, the music. I don't know. I didn't like that much. And then now I feel it's totally different. It's totally different. It's so, so much better. I think it, they used to play like old songs that maybe I didn't know. Because like I was raised in Brazil, my first language is Portuguese. But I think now it's just so, so, so different. And I love that you mentioned funk because I'm like from Brazil. I love Brazilian funk. I think it's so, so unique. And I always get so excited when I see like Anita play on the radio here. So incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it is really cool. It's crazy how like these days like Latino artists are being nominated, not for like Latino Grammys, but like Grammys album of the year with full albums in Spanish. Like it is, it's mind blown, but we've come a long way and it, it gives me a sense of of pride that yeah. I don't think I always had. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, feel, I'm curious. What's your favorite food? My favorite food? I'm going straight to dessert. I love tres leche cake. Oh my God. Yeah. Love, love. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a fat boy at heart. And in particular with sweets, I have no self-control. So any sort of sweet is really good. But Tres Leche in particular has my heart for sure. Incredible. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm vegan and that's something that I really miss. And I'm always trying to veganize things that I used to like when I wasn't vegan. But I think this one is hard. <laughs> I never had a vegan, the vegan version. Even like Dulce de Leche, I just like, mm, not there, not there. I, I miss it. <laughs> and Pavel, I wanted to talk more about your background and your journey. And in the sort of like the professional world that led you to found the Puro, can you give us an overview about your career and what led you to uh, found Puro? Yeah, I mean, you you listed some companies earlier at the beginning that are difficult to get into. Like it is not easy to get a job at Meta or TikTok or any of these really big tech companies, right? Even when you look at the stats, right, there's maybe like 5% of the workforce at each of those companies is Latino or Latinx. And then another 5% maybe is, is Black. So it's a very small percentage of us that are in those rooms. And as difficult as those jobs were to get, I always found the most difficult part for me was being myself at work. Because I've been trained to believe, even from a young age, that if I wanted to be successful, I couldn't be myself. So I got to the point where I was <laughs> where I was like a full on actor when I got into these spaces, like I would literally binge watch and study white popular American culture so that I can talk about it when I got to work, even though like I didn't care about most of it. Yeah, that's so sad. And I think like in terms of numbers, like overall tech for like folks from Latin America, we are less than three percent. 
of like folks like working in tech. And it's very interesting because it's very hard to get into big tech, tech in general, but especially big tech. There's a lot of competition, I feel especially now. And when you get there, you, you might think, oh, I'm done, right? Now I just need to work. But no, you just need to understand like the rules and the, you need to be accepted. And sometimes it's just like impossible to be accepted. I don't know, like I think for me, I remember for many, many, many years feeling very bad about my English skills and my accent and trying to improve and trying not to have accent or like feeling afraid to speak. It's so funny because sometimes I say good morning and the person, where are you from? I was like, no, just say good morning or just hi. This happened to me before, like, hi. And the poster, where does the accent is from? I was like, dude, I just said hi. It's like my hi, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it for you? Like, when did you realize that you're doing that? And when did you decide to change this? Well, talking about that, it's interesting because I had an experience when I got into Facebook. I thought, okay, the game is over. I can be myself. Right. Like I finally made it. I've gotten to a job that I've always wanted. I have this title of employee at Facebook. I can be myself now. But that's when I got even more into assimilation, even more into code switching and faking it because it's something that I've always wanted and I didn't want to lose it. So I told myself, I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay here. Right. So it's not like I took off the mask when I got at Facebook. Instead, I acted even more. But I remember being at Facebook and they have like this open work policy where you can work from anywhere in the office and the office is beautiful, right? And I would never work at my desk because I'm easily distracted, right? So I need to be by myself to be able to focus. And I remember getting back to my desk and having a one-on-one meeting with my manager. And my manager said that my teammates thought I was unfriendly and unapproachable because I didn't work at my desk. And that was one of those early signs for me when I started working there of like, even though I'm doing my work, it's not enough to just do your work. Like there's this extra layer of making people feel comfortable that we feel the need to do and try to make people feel comfortable for a long time until I had a mental health breakdown. And I was just like, I'm tired of this. I'm going to start being myself. Like, I don't care what people say. Mm -hmm. And how do you define uncovering professionalism and what is professionalism to you? I think this is a very interesting question. Hey, can I curse on here? Yeah. Listen, fuck what it means to me. Like, just look up the definition. This is what it should mean to everybody. It has words have definitions for a reason, right? So if you look up the word, professionalism is defined as the skill or competence expected of a professional. That's it. Skill or competence, right? So I often do presentations. And speaking engagements at companies, and I put up a picture of like little Wayne, right? With face tattoos, grill, locks, all of these things, right? And I asked, does anything about him look unprofessional, right? And it's a trick question because there's no such thing as looking unprofessional. But when people say that little Wayne looks unprofessional, what they're saying is that they don't believe that someone that looks like him has the skill or competence for the role. But that's just their own bias around what an engineer is supposed to look like or what a, when the accountant is, quote unquote, supposed to look like. But there is no such thing as a professional look. So it's all about the skills or competence expected for the role. That's it. Yes, I love that. I love that. Personally, I really like this conversation because I think it makes all of us think and mm -hmm. also rethink our 
own bias and the other's bias and what we expect from people. And thinking about like folks in Latin America, we are less than 3% of folks who work in tech. So if you got there, you're probably the only one and you don't have someone who looks like you, who speaks like you yeah. or enjoy the same food <laughs> and yeah. a lot of like music. I remember like studying, like working here and people are talking about like movies that they used to watch as a child. And usually for me, like it's weird, right? Because I probably watched a lot of movies when I was a kid, I watched in Portuguese and the names of the movies are different. So there's a lot of things that make us not feel included, not feel valid. Yeah. And also the fact that people don't look like you and they do things different. And instead of like embracing that, I don't know, I would love to ask you because I have this feeling that things are even worse now because it feels like diversity and inclusion is not the top priority anymore. How do you feel about that? I want to be clear too, like this idea of bias doesn't start when we start working. Like there's bias within our own communities. There's bias within our own households. Like my grandfather growing up, he used to tell me, and because he cared about me, right? He would tell me like, yo, do you see presidents, CEOs with beards, with piercings, with different hair color, with tattoos? No, right? So I, till this day, I don't have tattoos. Till this day, I don't have piercings. This is the haircut that I've always gotten. You know what I mean? It's always been low. But it's because he wanted to protect me. You know what I mean? But my grandfather was Dominican. He was Latino. He, you know what I mean? So it's okay. not that it's like only white people or it's only people in tiger. It's only in corporate that like expect us to be a certain way. We do it to ourselves based on the media and the representation that we see, right? So when it comes to diversity and inclusion, I don't have the specific numbers as far as like, is it better or worse off? But during the recent layoffs and the budget cuts, I did see a lot of cuts from diversity and inclusion initiatives. Me saying that as someone who gets budget from organizations for speaking engagements coming from diversity and inclusion, I'm seeing a lot of people cancel my speaking engagements because budget was pulled back from them. Right. Not only that, but there was an influx of diversity within tech during the hiring spree. Right. And people were excited and people were like putting up these videos of like a day in the life of a tech employee. And then when they were let go, these diverse employees, a lot of people were shitting on tech, unfortunately, because they were saying, oh, this was a waste of time. Fuck tech. I'm never going to go back. And I'm a little discouraged that they're discouraged about getting into tech. I'm worried that people that look like me now don't want to go into tech because they're scared of being laid off. When in reality, you can get laid off anywhere. Like that's not just in tech. So I hope we see tech as an opportunity for us, even still with all the layoffs and everything that was happening. Yeah, absolutely. Wanted to share a podcast that I really enjoyed learning more about. The name of the podcast is Content is Profit and is hosted by Luis and Ponzi Camejo and is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Discover the secrets and strategies on how your business can achieve the frictionless sales. They talk about frameworks, strategies, tactics and bring special guests to bring you all the information you need in order to turn your content into profit. Very relevant topic. And I personally enjoyed the episode on are outside opinions sabotaging your success? How feedback drives content success? 
where Constantine highlights the significance of self-validation, seeking feedback and maintaining consistency in a content creation, sharing his personal journey from doubt to transformation that is very inspiring, in my opinion. And listen to Content is Profit whenever you get your podcast. And could you share an example of like a situation where you successfully uncover professionalism in a unique or unexpected way? So maybe like a situation that happened to you and you called that out in a very unique or maybe straightforward way. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about it because I feel that sometimes very subtle and For example, for me, it took me many, many years to realize some microaggressions mm. and things that you just feel weird. And you're like, oh, I quite don't get it. And after many, many years, I was like, whoa, that was not okay. But I think I didn't have the tools or even the knowledge to call that out. So I'm just curious, how was this experience and how, if you had the opportunity to uncover that? I think professionalism, like many other things, they're just like things that have been passed down generation over generation of things that of how we should act in professional settings or about professional settings. And one of the moves that I'm most proud of is this idea of salary transparency. You know, when we get a job, we're often told, like, don't tell anyone how much you signed for, right? Don't tell your coworkers how much you make, you know, keep that information hush hush, right? Now, that doesn't help anyone besides the organization. Like if everyone knew how much money each of us were paid, then we can probably make a lot more money together, right? Now on Latina Equal Pay Day, probably like two years ago, I posted my salary transparently. I posted my whole compensation package while I was working at TikTok. My base, my bonus, my signing bonus, the stock options, everything I posted. And it went viral, it had like 4 million views in like a week, crazy. And a lot of people told me that I shouldn't have done that, right? But there's nothing illegal about it. It's essentially like me posting my taxes, essentially. I'm not releasing any company secrets. I'm not talking about the company in any sort of negative way. It's literally just talking about my offer. The people specifically that were telling me that I shouldn't have done that look just like me, but of an older generation, right? So like our perception of professionalism, there are a lot of unspoken rules that we think we have to follow. But in reality, it's like, why? Yeah, I like that. Like the challenge, the why. And talking about money is something very, very difficult. I think it's not common for us. Like mm -hmm. one thing that I started to do with like my girlfriends is just like talk openly about money, how much I earn, like total compensation. I talk about it and talk with my friends. Uh, I have a really good friend who just got promoted. And I was like all the time, like messaging her. Did you talk about promotion with your manager? Did you create your document about your promotion? Do you have the numbers to show? And I was like being annoyed, but I was like, we need to do that and we need to help each other and we need to start feel more comfortable talking about money. So I think this yeah. is a journey that um, it's very new to me, but uh, I have been enjoying like doing this exercise and it's very courageous of, of you. I didn't see this post like being so open, I think it's just incredible because I feel like now we need to go to ways that is just so tricky, right? We need to check like Glassdoor, we need to go to levels of FIY and then like trying to understand the compensation and the amount of money that you can get and it's just like so hard and then check blind and it's like, why? <laughs> and when it's anonymous, like Glassdoor, a lot of people don't believe it. 
Like I've yeah. been on interviews and I've referenced Glassdoor data and recruiter have told me, oh, well, use that information with a grain of salt. Like it's not that trustworthy. Anybody could write that. I could write that. Right. Like I had a friend, a friend now, but they were applying for a similar job at TikTok as me. And they were lowballing her by a hundred thousand dollars. And then she showed my post and then she was able to get a hundred thousand dollar increase in her package just because Whoa. I was currently working at the company. I had transparency where you could see the numbers and it's unlike Glassdoor. You can't say I was making it up, mm -hmm. you know, but that's the power of being open about our workplace experiences. It's funny, too, like you spoke about microaggressions earlier. If you look up any study, any study about workplace experience, especially for people of color, I bet you it's full of anonymous quotes. It's rare for people to talk openly and put a face and a name to their experience. Absolutely. And it's interesting also like the position of this recruiter, right? Telling all oh, people can put whatever number. I would think like why people would lie about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because the goal is to help each other. And sometimes I check blind. I feel like blind is really good because... I feel like people are very transparent, but at the same time, I feel that it's very toxic too. So there's a lot happening. So it's quite hard and it shouldn't be that hard. Like just like be open about like compensation, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's crazy to think about that. And another thing that I want to talk with you, you have a lot of experience like building partner, client relationship, and it feels like it, you have a lot of strengths in this area. So I wanted to ask you, how do you approach fostering these relationships and why do you believe they are crucial in today's professional landscape? Yeah, I mean, I forget who said this, but it's like your, your network is your net worth. And it's so true. Like I've been given so many opportunities just based on the relationship that I have with people. And I think the number one tip that I can give people, and it sounds really corny and sounds really cheesy, but like be yourself when you're talking to people, when you're trying to build relationships, because it's really hard to fake it for so long. I remember when I was working at Facebook and I was trying to build relationships with clients, like I would often go to dinners with them. And we would talk about our weekends or we would talk about like what we're up to. And I would fake it and say like, oh, my God, have you seen the latest episode of X, Y, and Z show that I hated, but I was binge watching because I thought that's what everyone was doing. The conversations were so surface level. But when I started talking about like, oh, I'm on Tinder and I had a couple dates this weekend and this, this and that, like I could talk about that forever. Not only that, but then. It's a vulnerable personal moment, not just about a TV show where like they can join in and share their like, oh, my God, well, back in my day when I used to be date and like, oh, my God, what is Tinder and all that? Like it just creates a deeper relationship where you can actually learn about somebody beyond what kind of shows they like. Right. That's when I started doing my best work, when I started being myself, because I could be myself forever. I could only act and fake it for so long. Uh-huh. That's incredible. And this is when you create like real relationships. As you said, like talking about like TV, it's just like there's an end to that, right? You like the episode you didn't like and just, yeah, that's so, so interesting. I feel very, very inspired by that. And I think another important point that I wanted to talk with you, I'm always talking with my friends about bringing data to their conversations, like being more data-driven. And I think it's a very, very powerful thing 
to include in our conversations, especially when we are in those crucial moments where we need to create a business case or like promotions. And I think it's something that maybe it doesn't come natural for us. So I wanted to ask you if you have any advice for folks who bringing data to their conversation is not natural and how they can start doing that. And how do you balance like this data analysis with creativity to create innovative solutions? Well, I think data should be included in everything that you talk about because it just provides more evidence that you're not the only one going through something. Like, for example, when I saw the stat that says 76% of Latinos at work suppress parts of their identities. So three out of four of us, like that was powerful for me because for so long I felt alone. So one, it contextualizes things, but it also provided credibility to what I was talking about. So when I go into speaking engagements, it's not just like my own personal story. It's me plus there are millions of people that are also going through this as well. And then the creativity part is like, no one can tell your story besides you. Like you can be as creative as you want with that, but start with that data to contextualize and add credibility to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for folks who, I don't know, maybe they're not used to quantify things or like keep data in mind. Do you have any advice to to share with them, for example, one thing that I love to do is quantify my own work, my own like impact that I do at the company. And I have like this Google Doc where I write down things and I have like that stored because I think over time it's kind of easy to lose track of things and yeah. don't quite remember the numbers. And when mm -hmm. I'm like doing my self-reveal and when I'm going to promotion, I have those numbers in mind. Yeah. So do you have any advice? I think tracking it consistently is definitely helpful. If you're outside of doing your own work, like a lot of people are doing research, so you don't have, always have to quantify things yourself. Let other people quantify it for you and just be sure to give people credit. But yeah, I think those are two things that I would do. That was incredible. Thank you so much for your time and your tips. I love what you said about professionalism, our own bias, and also the sense of like, use data in our favor. So I want to thank you for your time. And I wanted to leave the last minute for you to share anything you want to share and also where people can find you. For sure. Um, listen, one of the most powerful things you could do in the world is literally just be yourself. So please do it. I know it's scary, but go on that self-discovery journey. We're launching an app at the end of the year. Our app waitlist is live. If you go on any of our social medias, including Instagram or TikTok, just look for us at Plural. P-L-U-R-A-W-L and you'll see the link to for our app waitlist and you can find me on LinkedIn at Pavel Martinez. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to include in the description of the episode so people can find you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. That's it for today, everyone. Thank you so much for your time. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast and the episodes. Please message us with any insight, any feedback you might have, and also guest suggestions. Message us in your favorite social media platform. We are in all social platforms. And if you want to write us in a review, we will love that. Feel free to write us in a review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Amazon or any other streaming that you like. Thank you.